She wants the party to take stronger action on issues like abortion and voting rights. But our poll found that the top issues for Latinos was actually the cost of living. We see that prices are through the roof, and we want to know what people are going to do to help put that burden down. In conservative stronghold states like Texas, signs of a political shift among Latino voters, with more now leaning Republican. Or maybe we should just go to the, the church. Jose Arriola and Maria Batres live in El Paso. Maria. You were a Democrat, and you are now a Republican. Why? Because uh, the fact that the Democratic Party has changed a lot, and I identif identify more with the uh, Republican Party. What things? Well, we're for God, country, family, and hard work. Jose used to vote blue, too. Now he's also a Republican, and most concerned with immigration and beefing up border security. What are the concerns that you have about immigration? The fact of the matter is that we, you know, we don't feel safe anymore. Two recent polls showing incumbent Republican Senator Ron Johnson slightly ahead of his Democratic challenger Mandela Barnes after Republican ads tried to drive up Barnes's negatives on hot-button issues like crime for the past several weeks. And joining me now is Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes, U.S. Senate candidate from Wisconsin. Senator, thank you very much. Uh, rather, uh, Governor, Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes, Senator Johnson, though, has been hammering you on crime, saying that you support defunding the police, which you don't, and that you're too progressive. What's your response? I'll tell you, Ron Johnson's going to make up whatever lies he wants to distract from his record, because the reality is he can't talk about the things that he's done. He's turned his back on working class people. And I won't be lectured about crime from somebody who supported a violent insurrection that left 140 officers injured. Uh, one was stabbed with a metal stake and another was crushed between a revolving door. It's very, uh, it's very hypocritical for Ron Johnson to want to bring up crime, but he and his dark money allies are spending unprecedented sums of money to try to mischaracterize me. And I'll tell you, polls go up, polls go down. We're meeting people exactly where they are all across Wisconsin, holding Ron Johnson accountable for his dangerous views on abortion. The fact that over, after uh, two terms in office, he delivered $215 million in taxes deductions to his biggest donors. Well, I would be uh, remiss if I didn't say that we need help to combat the uh, flurry of negative spending. If folks can go to MandelaBars.com to help us out, we can expand this majority. We can codify the right to choose and abortion access in the law once and for all. We can finally do the real work to rebuild the middle class in states like Wisconsin all across the country. 
Is this a case where Democrats are hoping and focusing on abortion? Because I think those of us in the Beltway, we consume the minutia of it all the time. You know, we read five and six papers every morning. But when you're at home, you know, having your coffee with your family, you're not necessarily talking about January 6th. So what do you think um, what will happen in, in midterms, Jasmine? Because I soon I'll have to call you Congresswoman. <laughs> uh, I'll call you Jasmine as long as I can. Um, what do you think is going to happen with this? Like, will these uh, bullhorn racist attack ads, Willie Horton, 2.0 type things work because quite honestly there have been a spike in homicides that has nothing to do with democratic policies of course and Doesn't certainly Mandela Barnes is no. not responsible for any such thing but will that work with the Republican voter base you know I, I absolutely think that there's a possibility I mean we see Republicans consistently go after fear instead of going after facts right um, the reality is that he's running against an incumbent so if I'm an incumbent when I'm going to go out and I'm going to tell you about my record I'm going to tell you how I have made your life better but he can't speak to that so all that he can do is attack and we have seen that the polls are tightening you know it's the misinformation that really frustrates me as somebody that actually practices criminal defense as well ron johnson knows that we're not the ones that are dealing with the local police that's not what yeah. we do on the federal level and i know that there's been a lot of talk in wisconsin about mandela at some point in saying defund the police and there's always these attacks and they're saying hey Whatever y'all do when y'all run, don't say it. But the reality is that if it hadn't been said, we wouldn't still be talking about it. Right. It was so provocative. But to be clear, black people want law enforcement in their communities. When they call 911, they want them to show up. And a lot of times it's the black communities where they're not showing up. And one right. of the reasons they may not be showing up is because they don't look at those as priority calls and they're having to prioritize their calls because law enforcement is playing dog catcher. Law enforcement is playing social worker. Yeah. And so they're not wanting to talk about what defund was about, which it was always about making sure it was actually supporting law enforcement. Because when they signed up, they signed up to protect and serve, not to do all these other jobs and so it was about efficiency um so well, the defund the police isn't a democratic political um policy uh and it really is a reallocation of funds so when you say black people want law enforcement yes but they also don't want to call law enforcement and then become a victim of absolutely law enforcement. i think that's yeah, a, a good, that's, good point that's, that's absolutely right lucy i want to ask ice is confirming that jose rosales who's accused of killing harris county texas corporal charles galloway is in the country illegally when he murdered that officer. The professional criminal has been on the run since 1996. He was wanted for another murder in El Salvador. On the run since 1996, he keeps changing his name. Apparently it is Jose Oscar Rosales. He was arrested in Mexico. He was wanted for murder in El Salvador. Here's the thing. Because the Biden administration is not enforcing our southern border policies and as enacted by the, you know, the U.S. Congress, people just come and go. They come and go. This guy for decades apparently was just coming and going, killed a, a, a cop and was wanted for murder. And we never stopped him. Those two Mexican, Mexican nationals, they've been charged with the murder of North Carolina Sheriff's Deputy Ned Bird. Immigration and Customs Enforcement confirm that suspects Alder Alfonso Marin Sotelo and Arturo Marin Sotelo had entered the country illegally after being deported once before. Police in Colorado say they have arrested a hit and run driver who killed a sheriff's deputy just one week before her 24th birthday. The suspect was in the United States illegally, and authorities believe that he was under the influence at the time. Alexis Heinutz was on her motorcycle at the time.
A Florida Sheriff's Department says a deputy was killed by an illegal immigrant in a hit and run on Thursday at a construction site. Deputy Michael Hartwick was on duty guarding that site when a front loader plowed into him. Police said the driver tried to leave the area and knew he killed the deputy. He is charged with fleeing the scene of an accident. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 5th of October, year of our Lord, 2022, episode 629er. I wanted to go in with a little lead-in on our crime, our blacks, Latinos not wanting to play Democrat anymore, just to kind of get it on the table and show how far the media will go to lie. They're even not talking about cops and there's so many of you just flip through Twitter or you watch Fox. You've seen most of it with career people who made it through 9-11 dying. Um, it, it's a mess. But I, I started that way because I'm not going to really cover it. Because we have a crisis. We have a crisis in America. And our crisis is we have a president who is functionally brain dead. Thank you, Mr. President. I share your grave concerns about maintaining access to contraception and reproductive health services on our college campuses and ensuring there's accurate, reliable information for students and for educators. Students need access to health care to thrive in school and in life, and that includes reproductive health care. I mean, do we remember what it was like with Trump? We had fucking CNN rolled out a goddamn um, Lena Wen would be on there. He's not mentally right. And they'd had a lawyer who or a psychiatrist that wasn't even a psychiatrist on the show. And she was babbling about how he's not mentally fit. This motherfucker's brain dead. And because it's election season, and there's, you know, stories like bombshell text, Milwaukee mayor colluding with Democrats to rig the 2022 election again, they're popping up everywhere. You know they're going to do it because they know they're going to lose. Is the pilot working? RNC says Google sent over 20 million GOP emails to spam in six days. But we expect that. We just expect it. We understand going forward, big tech and our media is going to 100% push for Dems. They're going to lie, cheat, and conceal. But this is our asshole section 
This is with a vice president who said words that came out of her mouth and they were words that everybody understood and the media covered. And then a president, once again, looking for a ghost. So the United States shares a very important relationship, which is an alliance with the Republic of North Korea. And it is an alliance that is strong and enduring. It is our um, lowest income communities and our communities of color that are most impacted by these extreme conditions and, and impacted by, by issues that are not of their own making. And, and so women. we, absolutely. And so we have to address this in a way that is about giving resources based on equity, understanding that we, we fight for equality, but we also need to fight for equity, understanding not everyone starts out at the same place. And if we want people to be in an equal place, sometimes we have to take into account those disparities um, and, and do that work. Representative, Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was, she was going to be here to help make this a reality. In the briefing room, commotion over the president's mental acuity. This is a legitimate question. After Biden called out for a congresswoman who died in a car crash last month at a hunger and nutrition event. Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was, she was going to be here. The press secretary struggled to explain. And I don't think it's all that unusual uh, to have someone top of mind, especially as there's a big event, uh, two big events today and also Friday, uh, that is going to occur. And so he's going to see her family. They're going to honor her. That didn't make a lot of sense, but when pressed, Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said her answer would not be changing. When Congresswoman Jackie Wolorski passed away, the President and First Lady released a statement saying that they were shocked and saddened at the news of her death and ordered flags lowered to half-staff, Brett. And Jackie, quickly, the hurricane, obviously, and the recovery is a... Uh, efforts down in Florida are, are topic of the day, but I watched some of that press briefing in the White House, and I have not seen the press corps jump together on a question as much as the one about President Biden looking for the now deceased congresswoman in the audience. It just seemed like the easier response would have been an acknowledgement that the president misspoke, but uh, that's not the answer that we got, Brett. They were on this like white on rice on a paper plate in a snowstorm. Like a thong on a butt crap. They just lie. Because they mince that she, well, she didn't actually say that. Well, no, she didn't, but she implied it. AP. Misinterpreted. We said Trump called all Latina Latinx, or whatever the fuck they're calling them now, murderers and rapists. He said all of the white supremacists were fine people. But we don't even cover. Uh, here's a here's the DMZ comment during DMZ comment. Maris, Harris misspoke, referring to the very important relationship, which is alliance with the Republic of North Korea. Misspoke. They always get the benefit of the doubt. But PolitiFact, who's 99% pushing Dems, they didn't even fucking touch the Jackie. Jackie's dead. Jackie no longer here.
Daily Beast. Biden appears to ask if dead congresswoman attends the White House. But then they quelled it as it was she was top of the mind. That's what they said. Top of mind. What the fuck? Nobody even uses that as words. What does that mean? Oh, and by the way, it's been released this week. DHS coordinated with a group called the Election Integrity Partnership to censor Biden's opponents. That that's that's happening. So we're doing that in the background. They're not going to cover that. If you can't even cover this, why should I expect it? Why should I even remotely expect you to cover important shit? Like important shit. And then there's aid. So here is another media lie followed by a long tucker. And I want you to listen to it because this shit's this shit's not even being covered. Fuck you, asshole. You asshole. This is why we can't have nice things. You asshole! Are you just an asshole? Is that it? Fuck you, you asshole! You ever hear the saying, you run into an asshole in the morning, you ran into an asshole. You run into assholes all day, you're the asshole. Fuck you, asshole. You! You are such an You dumb asshole! Asshole. Fucking asshole! Away from me, you asshole. Senator, you wrote a letter Friday to the Senate Appropriations Committee asking for disaster relief dollars for desperately needed resources to rebuild Florida communities. After Hurricane Sandy hit northeastern states in 2012, you voted no on a $50 Mm -hmm. billion relief package. I know you supported a smaller version, but why should other senators vote for relief for your state when you didn't vote for a package to help theirs? Oh, I've always voted for hurricane and disaster relief. I've even voted for it without pay for us. What I didn't vote for in Sandy is because they had included things like a roof for a museum in Washington, D.C., for fisheries in Alaska. It had been loaded up with a bunch of things that had nothing to do with disaster relief. And I wouldn't support disaster relief uh, efforts. I would never put out there that we should go use a disaster relief package for Florida as a way to pay for all kinds of other things people want around the country. So I think that's the key in moments like this. And, and Sandy, unfortunately, they loaded it up. They really did with well, a bunch of things that had nothing to do with Sandy. But I voted for every disaster relief package, especially the, that's clean. And I'll continue right. to do so when it comes to Florida. I'll do that again. And we'll make sure that that package is clean and doesn't have stuff for other people in there. I read the Congressional Research Service report last night. It sounds like that roof actually was damaged by the hurricane. And what happened in Alaska was the result of another disaster. But in any event, what my question is, about the future. Are you telling me that if Hurricane Ian relief contains anything that smells like pork, you'll vote no? Sure. I'll fight against it having pork in it. That's the key. Uh, We shouldn't have that in there because it undermines the ability to come back and do this in the future. Here's what happens and people need to understand it. We can Welcome to Tucker Carlson. Tonight, you hate to start a Tuesday evening on a grim note, but one of the environmental catastrophes, one of the great environmental catastrophes of our time is unfolding tonight off the coast of Denmark. The Nord Stream pipelines, which are enormous Russian-owned conduits that carry natural gas from Russia to Western Europe, have been breached. As we speak, Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2 are pouring millions of cubic meters of natural gas into the Baltic Sea. Pictures from the air, which you can now see on your screen, show a toxic bubble field more than half a mile wide. You can only guess at how many marine mammals are being killed right now, countless. 
but the lasting damage may be to the atmosphere. Natural gas is comprised of up to 90% methane. Methane, as Joe Biden has often told you, is the key driver of global warming, which is, of course, an existential threat to humanity and the planet. So if you're worried about climate change, what just happened to the Nord Stream pipelines is as close to the apocalypse as we have ever come. So the question is, how did this happen? And it turns out it was not an accident. At the very same time that leaks in these pipelines were detected, Swedish officials recorded two powerful undersea explosions, each one of which was equivalent to hundreds of pounds of TNT. Nothing in nature can account for that. Almost immediately, the pipelines began leaking in three separate places. So there's only one explanation for what happened. This was an act of industrial terrorism. That was very obvious to the Prime Minister of Poland, and he wasted no time in saying so. Watch. Today, we are also dealing with an act of sabotage. We do not know the details of what happened yet, but we can clearly see that it is an act of sabotage, an act that probably marks the next stage in the escalation of the situation we are dealing with in Ukraine. We can clearly see, he said, this was an act of sabotage, an act of terrorism. Well, yes, we can see that. So the question is who did it, and of course the prime suspect is obvious, it would be the same man who caused domestic inflation here in the U.S. and stole the 2016 election from Hillary Clinton, that'd be Vladimir V. Putin. The Washington Post got right to it. Putin, they declared, is now weaponizing the Nord Stream pipelines. According to the Canadian ambassador to the U.N., Vladimir Putin has decided to use, quote, pollution as an act of war. Progressive Twitter strongly endorsed this conclusion. Putin did it. And that makes sense until you thought about it for just a moment. Vladimir Putin may be evil, they tell us that he is evil, but is he stupid? Probably isn't stupid. And yet, and here's the strange part, if you are Vladimir Putin, you would have to be a suicidal moron to blow up your own energy pipelines. That's the one thing you would never do. Natural gas pipelines are the main source of your power and your wealth, and most critically, your leverage over other countries. Europe needs your energy, now more than ever with winter approaching. If you can't deliver that energy, then countries like Germany have no need to pay attention to what you want. You're in the middle of a war, an all-hands-on-deck war, so you need all the leverage you can get. Under these circumstances, there is no chance you would blow up Nord Stream 1 or 2. Not now, obviously. In fact, it's so obvious that even our famously dim Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, seemed to acknowledge it. Sabotaging Nord Stream, he said today, is, quote, clearly in no one's interest. Right but really only half right. It is true that blowing up Nord Stream does not help Vladimir Putin. He would not do that, why would he? But that doesn't mean that other countries wouldn't consider doing it. They would consider it, and we know they have considered it because at least one of them has said so in public. In early February, less than three weeks before the war in Ukraine began, Joe Biden suggested on camera that he might take out these pipelines. Watch. If Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the, uh, the, the border of Ukraine uh, again, then uh, there, will be, uh, we, there will be no longer a Nord Stream 2. We, we will bring an end to it. What do you, what, how, will you, how will you do that exactly, since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control? We will, uh, I promise you, we'll be able to do it. Notice how he phrased that, and he's the president, doesn't phrase things by accident, particularly when he's reading off cards. 
He didn't say, I will pause the delivery of gas from Russia to Germany. He said, there won't be a Nord Stream 2. We'll put an end to it. We'll take it out. We'll blow it up. How will you do this? He was asked. I promise you we will be able to do it. They thought this through. And yet those watching, very much including us, didn't take Biden seriously when he said it. This is the president who has declared climate change the most pressing emergency in the history of the world. This is the man who lectures you about using a wood stove or driving an SUV because of its emissions. This is the guy who spent billions trying to mitigate cow flatulence because methane. Would that guy really blow up a methane pipeline in the middle of the Baltic Sea? It was hard to imagine. That would be an unimaginably reckless act. That would be the kind of thing you would do if you wanted to start a nuclear war. It would be insane. And yet, in retrospect, it's obvious they were thinking about this because Joe Biden wasn't the only person to suggest it. Toria Newland at the State Department said pretty much the very same thing. Newland is a lifelong war cheerleader. She worked to bring about the Iraq invasion, never apologized, kept going. She helped engineer the coup that overthrew the Ukrainian government some years back. So capable, clearly she's capable of anything. But environmental terrorism, even for Toria Newland, that seemed too much, too extreme. And yet here she is in January. With regard to Nord Stream 2, uh, we continue to have uh, very strong and clear conversations uh, with our German allies. And I want to be clear with you today. If Russia invades Ukraine, one way or another, Nord Stream 2 will not move forward. One way or the other, we'll stop Nord Stream. Now, looking back, those words seem chilling eight months later as natural gas pours into the Baltic Sea and into the atmosphere. So you have to ask, could the Biden administration really do something like this? We can't say for sure. We don't know for sure. We can tell you that close allies of the Biden White House believe they certainly did do it. Radek Sikorsky is a Polish politician. He's chairman of the EU-USA delegation in the European Parliament. He's connected. He's also the husband of regime stenographer Ann Applebaum of The Atlantic magazine. Sikorsky is so close to Joe Biden that he's got a picture of the two of them together in his Twitter profile. So when the pipelines blew up, Sikorsky responded immediately. And here's what he wrote. Thank you, USA. So once again, did the Biden administration really do this? It's hard to believe. Given that it's an atrocity, it's effectively an act of terrorism, we don't want to make that accusation. But we should tell you that, maybe not coincidentally, today a brand new pipeline was unveiled. A pipeline that carries non-Russian natural gas in roughly the same area as Nord Streams 1 and 2. This is called the Baltic Pipe. It was inaugurated in Poland. It will carry natural gas from Norway through Denmark to Poland and other countries nearby. And it's likely to do very well since now it has less competition. Making sense? What does the White House say about this? How are they accounting for what happened today? Well, they're not exactly enthusiastically denying responsibility for it. Instead, they're looking at the upside. Here's the president's publicist noting that the destruction of yet another energy pipeline is yet another opportunity for you to buy an electric car. Uh, as you all know, these pipelines weren't pumping gas into Europe at this time. Uh, NS2 was never operational, as you guys know. NS1 has not been operational for weeks because uh, Putin has weaponized uh, energy, and we have said this many times before. This just drives home the importance of our efforts to work together to get alternative gas uh, supplies to Europe and to support efforts to reduce gas uh, consumption and accelerate true energy 
energy independence by moving to clean energy economy. Oh, moving to clean energy. Say the people who very may well be responsible for letting methane into the Baltic Sea and into the atmosphere at a scale that most people can't imagine. The people lecturing you about your SUV may have blown up a natural gas pipeline and created one of the great catastrophes of our time and its effect on the environment. If they did this, this will be one of the craziest, most destructive things any American administration has ever done. But it would also be totally consistent with what they do. What do they do? They destroy. These people build nothing, not one thing. Instead, they tear down and they desecrate from historic statues to the Constitution to energy infrastructure. And no one in Congress is trying to stop any of it. They're just preparing for the inevitable fallout. Tonight, the Senate just advanced a spending bill with $35 million for the Department of Energy to, quote, prepare for and respond to potential nuclear and radiological incidents in Ukraine. What? The spending bill also brings the total U.S. expenditure on Ukraine, the war, but also funding its government and energy for Ukraine, to $67 billion on the eve of what could be a massive economic disruption here to our economy, $67 billion. How much is that? Well, it's more than Russia's entire military budget last year. And Congress is expected to fully pass the bill later this week with Republicans nodding along like the zombies they are. What will be the effect of this? Every action has a reaction, equal and opposite. Blow up the Nord Stream pipelines? Okay, we've entered a new phase. One in which the United States is directly at war with the largest nuclear power in the world. Doesn't mean it will go nuclear immediately, but it does suggest there could be consequences. If we actually blew up the Nord Stream pipelines, why wouldn't Russia sever undersea internet cables? What would happen if they did that? What would happen if banks in London couldn't communicate with banks in New York? Just that one piece of it, leaving aside its potential effects on our power grid. But let's just say the banks couldn't communicate with each other for one day. What would the economic effect of that be? Oh, we would cascade downward into your house. We could have an actual collapse. We could wind up very quickly in third world conditions. Those are the stakes. Have the people behind this, the geniuses like Toria Newland, considered the effects? Maybe they have. Maybe that was the point. Tulsi Gabbard is a former member of Congress from Hawaii who from the very... See, the game they play, and, and Politico is really good at it. We're talking about the first one about aid. DeSantis asked the feds for hurricane relief, but he long used their cash. Here, here's the reality. When Sandy came out, per SOP... Nancy Pelosi put poison pills because they were going to lose the house. So he put a bunch of bullshit in there that had nothing to do with fucking relief. And so the Tea Party at the time that ended up taking over the fucking house didn't vote for it. It got cleaned up and then Sandy Aid went out. It's what Democrats always do. Democrats can get away with it because the media doesn't report that they did that. Just like they didn't report that the greatest green energy fucking bill the country's ever had was an inflation reduction act they just don't cover it they lie so that they can get political points and be able to say they don't care about little kids they don't care about black people they don't care about this they don't care about that 
Then you look at the actual Tucker soundbite, and that is some scary motherfucking shit. Because I didn't even remember that they did say, hey, we're, we're going to make sure that motherfucker shuts down. That's what we're doing. And they did. Yet we're not even going in to find out what the fuck happened to the pipeline. It was reported and it went off the air. Did you notice? It was there and it went out there. And the person that turned me on to it was my son, who's not a conservative. And he said, man, it looks like these motherfuckers did it. I, I don't even know how to articulate. I don't know how to articulate. What the fucking hell did we do? What did we do? Because that's some World War shit. You understand that, right? World War. We took out pipelines. Nobody's claimed it. The media ain't talking about it. That means we did it. And then they're on the record saying they were going to do it. So that one, not a lot of people are touching. We should be touching it because that is how you start fucking real wars. That, that's how you start a real war. Then we had the du jour of the week. You knew what was going to happen. And, of course, it is our media jerk-off. The hurricane. Oh, my God in heaven. Miami politics. The media jerk-off of the week. This is the quote from Governor DeSantis about climate change. Quote, I am not in the pews of the church of the global warming leftists. This is what he thinks about climate change. And now his state is getting hit with one of the worst hurricanes well, that perhaps, they will ever perhaps see. Uh, Ian is coming. Ian's here. John, we just felt a marked increase in wind speeds within the last 10 minutes or so. We were riding about 40, 50 miles an hour. It was hard to fathom that speed tripling in the next few hours, but we're now getting maybe 70 mile an hour gusts here. We're right at the point where US 43 heads uh, across the Peace River here. I'm just in front of the memorial for Hurricane Charlie, which in 2004 devastated this town and sent a wake up call to this community about the threats of living on the coast in a rapidly warming planet. Uh, as a result of that storm, they were the first community in Florida to put in a climate adaptation plan, a sea level, coastal resiliency plan that they're, you know, have been working on for years now. And this will be the test. It's hard to build power lines or, or building codes for 17 foot storm surge, though. That's the, the crazy variable here right now. No one has ever seen that. So we don't know what that looks like, but this is exactly what climate scientists have been warning about for a long time and now we get to see it out close john what some are calling the storm of a lifetime the washington post has a feature on why florida is more prone to hurricanes and it's got a lot to do with the state's unique geography as the paper points out more than 41 percent of hurricanes in the united states have made some sort of landfall 
in Florida. The state juts into warm, tropical waters directly in the paths of storms barreling through the Caribbean. Florida also suffers some of the highest financial damage from hurricanes. That's due in part to the rapid coastal development where roughly 76% of the state's population lives by the water. According to the Post, quote, while storm frequency has not trended upward, research shows hurricanes in the Atlantic have become more intense, partly driven by higher sea surface temperatures linked to human-caused climate change. We have a lot more ahead here on Morning Joe. Storm, but just behind the scenes, what goes in? Okay, you see this storm coming on the radar a week out. What begins to happen in a place like Florida? Yeah, again, um, so much of the response is is in the binder on the shelf. And so uh, Governor DeSantis and his team are working off a script that's been honed for a century mm. and we're pretty good at this but at the end of the day when you see one of these massive storms come in and you know more are coming you know we're going to be dealing with this as a nation um, going into the future if we can't get climate under control but in terms of behind the scenes it's a combination of feds you know the fema crowd alongside our state responders alongside first responders, local municipalities. I was so impressed with the mayor of St. Petersburg on a few minutes ago. That's the kind of quality leadership we have to deal with this in the state of Florida. And we're going to talk to many more of those leaders and reporters here in just a moment. Do want to ask you about Russia, though, Admiral. Florida prepares for a monster storm with landfall expected tomorrow. Governor Ron DeSantis is going to be put to the test, forced to actually do his job when he's used to spending most of his time hanging out on Fox News and owning the libs. Is he up to the task? On the other side of the spectrum, while Biden has been grinding out the sometimes thankless job of governing, Republicans have been waging these giddy little culture wars, you know, to own the libs, while ignoring their citizens' basic rights and needs. Take, for example, Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves, who told a crowd of supporters how thrilled he was to leave Jackson, the state capital, in the midst of a devastating collapse of the city's water system. This after he spent years bragging about how successful he's been at blocking funds to fix the water crisis in the past. Then there's book banning Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin, who's drawn massive protests and walkouts by high school students over his use of his executive power to force schools to out transgender students' birth sexes against their will. That's the priority of a whole entire governor? In Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis has spent the majority of his term waging wars against Disney while pretty openly running for president on the side, sticking Florida taxpayers with a $2 trillion bill in the process, while also attacking books and history and masks and Venezuelan migrants who aren't even in his state, flying them from Texas at exorbitant rates to Massachusetts, again, at Florida taxpayer expense, maybe even breaking the law in the process. And let's just be clear, he is doing this as his audition to have Joe Biden's job. But is that what voters really hire an executive for? While DeSantis is fighting with Mickey and scoring hits on Fox News, Florida teachers are fleeing his state. Climate change is ravaging the coast, and the state's home insurance market is literally collapsing, leaving thousands of Floridians in danger of having no coverage for their homes when natural disasters like Hurricane Ian strike. And that last bit is important, because preparing for and dealing with hurricanes is kind of what Florida governors do. 
Scientists say climate change could be fueling storms like Hurricane Ian. Storms like Hurricane Ian are only going to get stronger and more dangerous as the climate crisis progresses. Is there any doubt in your mind that climate change is to blame? The power and deadly force of Ian and the climate crisis. Tell us the impact of climate change. It is producing more frequent, more extreme weather events. You know, we get the whole climate change angle of this too. And it's increasing with climate change. Climate change looming in the background. You know, we, we keep having these hurricanes. Coincidence. Hmm. Could be. Could be not. Hurricanes are getting bigger and intensifying more quickly. Yes, climate change. Climate change uh, intensifying hurricanes. These storms are intensifying. These storms are intensifying. Something is causing them to int intensify. A phenomenon known as rapid intensification. Rapid intensification. Rapid intensification. Rapid intensification. Rapid intensification. Rapid intensification. Scientists say that will become more common as the Earth's oceans continue to warm. Climate change is making storms like this one stronger. How do you attribute that to climate change? Is that an effect of climate change? How does that dovetail with climate change? Scientists have warned us for a long time that storms won't get necessarily more hurricanes out of uh, climate change, but the ones we do get will be bigger and faster and wetter. And here is your exhibit A, Hurricane Ian. When people's lives and their property are at risk like this, you know, we all need to work together regardless of party lines. Uh, the Biden administration has approved our request for a pre-landfall declaration and did that very quickly. So, so we're thankful for that. And it's my sense that the administration, you know, wants to help. I think they realize that this is a really significant storm uh, and there's a lot of people that, you know, we're working with the locals. We work very well with them, of course, at the state level. Uh, but we really need everyone working together to make sure people uh, have their needs tended to. Well, I mean, he's the president of the United States. That includes Florida. And you don't have to, you know, you don't have to agree with him about stuff. But these, these are his, his people, your people, our people. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. This is what they did in New Jersey uh, with uh, Obama and Chris Christie, mm -hmm. you know? That's the job of the administration. That's what they're supposed to do. Isn't it socialism when the, the government helps you? Uh, and, uh, <laughs> That's what they say. Like Social Security and Medicare yeah, and Medicaid and things like that. Yeah, the got a common. Yeah. And the police and, I mean, socialism. The coverage, like when we're talking about it, we say this is what presidents do because they don't just help the people that voted for them, they help all people. Yeah. So what we saw was very normal. But the part that kind of caught me was the coverage of it because we were reading our packets and it kept saying DeSantis praises Biden, praises Biden, praises Biden. I'm looking and I'm like, where's the praise? And I see this you know, thank you for your help, Mr. President. And I thought, when did that become, when did politics become so ugly that to say I'm grateful, which I'm not criticizing the language, I'm saying the coverage of it was like clickbait. And yesterday during the hearing with the FEMA, um, the administrator from the FEMA, uh, sorry, the FEMA administrator who was running this uh, press conference, every question was, did Biden call DeSantis? Did Biden call DeSantis? And it's kind of like, oh. if we're going to say we're consistent yeah. and we're worried about humans and a storm and we're all coming together. It was a cacophony of fucking climate change and we going to get DeSantis. You got great Joanne Reed. She's a climate scientist now. You know that. First thing, Hurricane Ian death tolls climb and criticism over response. That was AP. There's a whole thread of people just, my God, my God. Oh, no, it was uh, the, the Guardian. The Guardian went down that road. 
Uh, one I didn't put up. I wonder how many of us will think about our elected leader's role in causing this to happen. One of them has been running on what I can only call a pro-hurricane platform. So once again, we, we already went down this. We've done this. This isn't new, boys and girls. We went down this road with Bush. It was fucking Bush made Katrina, and he put it just on black people. And when it didn't kill him, he ran down there, because Spike Lee made the video, and ran down there, and he fucking rigged charges again. Just like 9-11. Just like 9-11. Bill Weir was in that fucking shit again with his climate change, climate change. The Hill, you know, because the Hill's got to support Dems, too. It's going to be whiplash, political whiplash. But DeSantis, he got a couple swings in. Why do you stand behind Lee County's decision to not have that mandatory evacuation until the day before the storm? Well, did you, where was your industry station uh, when the storm hit? Were you guys in Lee County? No, you were in Tampa. So that's, you know, they were following the weather track and um, they had to make decisions based on that. But, you know, 72 hours, they weren't even in the cone. 48 hours, they were on the periphery. Uh, so you got to make the decisions the best you can. I will say, uh, you know, they delivered the message to people. They had shelters open. Uh, you know, everybody had adequate opportunity to at least get to a shelter within the county. Um, but, you know, a lot of the residents did not um, did not want to do that. I think for probably for various reasons, some people just don't want to leave their home, period. They're island people, whatever. But I think part of it was so much attention was paid to Tampa that I think a lot of them probably thought that they wouldn't get the worst of it. So, you know, they um, but they did. And, and I think it's um, it's easy to second guess them. But they were ready for the whole time and, um, and and made that call when when there was justifiable to do so. Some of their neighboring counties, though, did have mandatory evacuations before Tuesday. Well, right. But our neighboring. I mean, if you look at like. Um, Tuesday morning, they had moved the track down. Models started showing it going to like Sarasota, you know. So that's that. So so they did that. I was in Sarasota that day with them when they were expanding some of their evacuations. You know, Charlotte, I think, did the same thing either Monday night or Tuesday morning. Um, so you know, but don't forget Sunday, uh, 11 a.m. advisory. It was going to go to Taylor County in North Florida. And so you know, at, the, at some point, you got to look to see kind of where this thing is going. So yeah, no, I mean, I think it. I, I think that it's um, it's easy to say in hindsight. You know, we had most of our supply station in the Tampa Bay area. As that track moved, we, we shifted our response further south as well. Now, we said there would be impacts for sure. And even when it was going to hit North Florida, it's such a big storm, there was going to be impacts in south, southwest Florida as well. But the difference between impacts and having the, the, the eye go there is much different. And for most of Sunday, Monday, and even in the Tuesday, it was 100, 150 miles away from them. Is that one of the things you'll be reviewing once we get out of the aftermath, people get their power back on, looking at those evacuation orders? Because even Lee County, if they would have followed their own evacuation orders from what we reviewed, they should have had that mandatory evacuation order sooner. Well, but, you know, the issue, though, is also that there were a lot of, you know, they informed people, and most people did not want to do it. I mean, that's just that's just the reality. So, you know, you're in a situation, are you going to grab somebody out of their home that doesn't want to? I don't think that's the appropriate use of government. I mean, I think that that, that takes it a little too far. And we heard from the FEMA administrator today as well who says that anyone, whether you're in Florida or anywhere else, you live near water, that you should have flood insurance. Do you agree with that? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that what happens with homeowners is they'll say you're in a floodplain, you want a mortgage, you have to get flood insurance, so they do. There have been some criticisms about those skyrocketing premiums during your term as governor. What more could you have done or the Florida legislature to keep that affordable for Floridians? Well, the, you know, the flood insurance is a federal program, so that, that's not ours. Uh, that's a separate program. Most of the claims for this um, are going to be under the National Flood Insurance Program. You know, the homeowner's insurance are, are win claims, and the reason why that market's been is for two reasons. One, 15 years ago, they drove all the insurers out, all the big ones out. And then more recently with Irma and some of those other storms, you had massive litigation and a lot of scams. So we've dialed back some of that. We provided a fund to stabilize. A lot of them would have gone out of business this summer already. What is the uh, talk at the, at the state level of taking into account global warming, climate change as we rebuild these areas, as we see sea level rise? Are we having those talks at this level right now? Well, I think if, if you guys, I don't know if you're based in Florida, but I mean, I created a program called Resilient Florida that we put a um, billion dollars into over the last two years, and local communities are able to get money that's mad. It's fucking garbage. Everything is just garbage. Here's a CNN. As DeSantis prepares Floridians for Ian, he is urging residents to heed advice from the same local leaders who said to ignore because COVID. Ah! Still had better numbers than blue states everybody knows that now but it was you know it's what we do we have to attack and attack and attack and attack it's what we do it's how we are it's it's just garbage so other things that were going on other than hurricanes never had an fbi agent show up on sidewalk before pro-life group claims fbi question volunteered by Planned Parenthood, FBI, allegedly engaging in purge of conservative employees, retaliation against whistleblowers, Jim Jordan, found out. Yeah, makes sense. It just makes sense. It's it's what we do. Because, you know, we don't want to actually get into the beans and bullets. Where did I put it? Sorry. I'm all fucked up on my slides because I add them in and I, oh, I don't even have the slide. But you've all seen it. It is the young, the older lady that lived through 9-11. Fucking 9-11. Gets killed. Going to fucking dinner. We're not going to investigate that shit. Mm-mm. Julie Kelly, Obama uses DOJ in last year of his presidency to investigate sabotage Trump. Then he instructed complaint reporters to object to Trump either use DOJ the same way or investigate Obama and the Dems. And we all saw it. And the only people who are talking about it are Tuck. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson. Tonight you hate to start a Tuesday evening on a grim note, but one of the environmental catastrophes, one of the great environmental catastrophes of our time, is unfolding tonight off the coast of Denmark. The Nord Stream pipelines, which are enormous Russian-owned conduits that carry natural gas from Russia to Western Europe, have been breached. As we speak, Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2 are pouring millions of cubic meters of natural gas into the Baltic Sea. Pictures from the air, which you can now see on your screen, show a toxic bubble field more than half a mile wide. You can only guess at how many marine mammals are being killed right now, countless. But the lasting damage may be to the atmosphere. Natural gas is comprised of up to 90% methane. Methane, as Joe Biden has often told you, is the key driver of global warming, which is, of course, an existential threat to humanity and the planet. 
So if you're worried about climate change, what just happened to the Nord Stream pipelines is as close to the apocalypse as we have ever come. So the question is, how did this happen? And it turns out it was not an accident. At the very same time that leaks in these pipelines were detected, Swedish officials recorded two powerful undersea explosions, each one of which was equivalent to hundreds of pounds of TNT. Nothing in nature can account for that. Almost immediately, the pipelines began leaking in three separate places. So there's only one explanation for what happened. This was an act of industrial terrorism. That was very obvious to the Prime Minister of Poland, and he wasted no time in saying so. Watch. Today, we are also dealing with an act of sabotage. We do not know the details of what happened yet, but we can clearly see that it is an act of sabotage, an act that probably marks the next stage in the escalation of the situation we are dealing with in Ukraine. We can clearly see, he said, this was an act of sabotage, an act of terrorism. Well, yes, we can see that. So the question is who did it, and of course the prime suspect is obvious, it would be the same man who caused domestic inflation here in the U.S. and stole the 2016 election from Hillary Clinton, that'd be Vladimir V. Putin. The Washington Post got right to it, Putin, they declared, is now weaponizing the Nord Stream pipelines. According to the Canadian ambassador to the U.N., Vladimir Putin has decided to use, quote, pollution as an act of war. Progressive Twitter strongly endorsed this conclusion. Putin did it. And that makes sense until you thought about it for just a moment. Vladimir Putin may be evil, they tell us that he is evil, but is he stupid? Probably isn't stupid. And yet, and here's the strange part, if you are Vladimir Putin, you would have to be a suicidal moron to blow up your own energy pipelines. That's the one thing you would never do. Natural gas pipelines are the main source of your power and your wealth, and most critically, your leverage over other countries. Europe needs your energy, now more than ever with winter approaching. If you can't deliver that energy, then countries like Germany have no need to pay attention to what you want. You're in the middle of a war, an all-hands-on-deck war, so you need all the leverage you can get. Under these circumstances, there is no chance you would blow up Nord Stream 1 or 2. Not now, obviously. In fact, it's so obvious that even our famously dim Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, seemed to acknowledge it. Sabotaging Nord Stream, he said today, is, quote, clearly in no one's interest. Right but really only half right. It is true that blowing up Nord Stream does not help Vladimir Putin. He would not do that, why would he? But that doesn't mean that other countries wouldn't consider doing it. They would consider it, and we know they have considered it because at least one of them has said so in public. In early February, less than three weeks before the war in Ukraine began, Joe Biden suggested on camera that he might take out these pipelines. Watch. If Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the, uh, the, the border of Ukraine uh, again, then uh, there, will be, uh, we, there will be no longer a Nord Stream 2. We, we will bring an end to it. But do, but how, will you, how will you do that exactly, since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control? We will, uh, I promise you, we'll be able to do it. Notice how he phrased that, and he's the president, doesn't phrase things by accident, particularly when he's reading off cards. He didn't say, I will pause the delivery of gas from Russia to Germany. He said, there won't be a Nord Stream 2. We'll put an end to it. We'll take it out. We'll blow it up. How will you do this? He was asked. I promise you we will be able to do it. They thought this through. 
And yet those watching, very much including us, didn't take Biden seriously when he said it. This is the president who has declared climate change the most pressing emergency in the history of the world. This is the man who lectures you about using a wood stove or driving an SUV because of its emissions. This is the guy who spent billions trying to mitigate cow flatulence because methane. Would that guy really blow up a methane pipeline in the middle of the Baltic Sea? It was hard to imagine. That would be an unimaginably reckless act. That would be the kind of thing you would do if you wanted to start a nuclear war. It would be insane. And yet, in retrospect, it's obvious they were thinking about this because Joe Biden wasn't the only person to suggest it. Toria Newland at the State Department said pretty much the very same thing. Newland is a lifelong war cheerleader. She worked to bring about the Iraq invasion, never apologized, kept going. She helped engineer the coup that overthrew the Ukrainian government some years back. So capable, clearly she's capable of anything. But environmental terrorism, even for Toria Newland, that seemed too much, too extreme. And yet here she is in January. With regard to Nord Stream 2, uh, we continue to have uh, very strong and clear conversations uh, with our German allies. And I want to be clear with you today. If Russia invades Ukraine, one way or another, Nord Stream 2 will not move forward. One way or the other, we'll stop Nord Stream. Now, looking back, those words seem chilling eight months later as natural gas pours into the Baltic Sea and into the atmosphere. So you have to ask, could the Biden administration really do something like this? We can't say for sure. We don't know for sure. We can tell you that close allies of the Biden White House believe they certainly did do it. Radek Sikorsky is a Polish politician. He's chairman of the EU-USA delegation in the European Parliament. He's connected. He's also the husband of regime stenographer Anne Applebaum, of the Atlantic magazine. Sikorsky is so close to Joe Biden that he's got a picture of the two of them together in his Twitter profile. So when the pipelines blew up, Sikorsky responded immediately, and here's what he wrote. Thank you, USA. So once again, did the Biden administration really do this? It's hard to believe. Given that it's an atrocity, it's effectively an act of terrorism, we don't want to make that accusation. But we should tell you that, maybe not coincidentally, Today, a brand new pipeline was unveiled, a pipeline that carries non-Russian natural gas in roughly the same area as Nord Streams 1 and 2. This is called the Baltic Pipe. It was inaugurated in Poland. It will carry natural gas from Norway through Denmark to Poland and other countries nearby. And it's likely to do very well since now it has less competition. Making sense? What does the White House say about this? How are they accounting for what happened today? Well, they're not exactly enthusiastically denying responsibility for it. Instead, they're looking at the upside. Here's the president's publicist noting that the destruction of yet another energy pipeline is yet another opportunity for you to buy an electric car. Uh, as you all know, these pipelines weren't pumping gas into Europe at this time. Uh, NS2 was never operational, as you guys know. NS1 has not been operational for weeks because uh, Putin has weaponized uh, energy, and we have said this many times before. This just drives home the importance of our efforts to work together to get alternative gas uh, supplies to Europe and to support efforts to reduce gas uh, consumption and accelerate true energy independence by moving to clean energy economy. Oh, moving to clean energy. Say the people who very may well be responsible for letting methane 
into the Baltic Sea and into the atmosphere at a scale that most people can't imagine. The people lecturing you about your SUV may have blown up a natural gas pipeline and created one of the great catastrophes of our time in its effect on the environment. If they did this, this will be one of the craziest, most destructive things any American administration has ever done. But it would also be totally consistent with what they do. What do they do? They destroy. These people build nothing, not one thing. Instead, they tear down and they desecrate from historic statues to the Constitution to energy infrastructure. And no one in Congress is trying to stop any of it. They're just preparing for the inevitable fallout. Tonight, the Senate just advanced a spending bill with $35 million for the Department of Energy to, quote, prepare for and respond to potential nuclear and radiological incidents in Ukraine. What? The spending bill also brings the total U.S. expenditure on Ukraine, the war, but also funding its government and energy for Ukraine, to $67 billion on the eve of what could be a massive economic disruption here to our economy, $67 billion. How much is that? Well, it's more than Russia's entire military budget last year. And Congress is expected to fully pass the bill later this week with Republicans nodding along like the zombies they are. What will be the effect of this? Every action has a reaction, equal and opposite. Blow up the Nord Stream pipelines? Okay, we've entered a new phase. One in which the United States is directly at war with the largest nuclear power in the world. Doesn't mean it will go nuclear immediately, but it does suggest there could be consequences. If we actually blew up the Nord Stream pipelines, why wouldn't Russia sever undersea internet cables? What would happen if they did that? What would happen if banks in London couldn't communicate with banks in New York? Just that one piece of it leaving aside its potential effects on our power grid. But let's just say the banks couldn't communicate with each other for one day. What would the economic effect of that be? Oh, we would cascade downward into your house. We could have an actual collapse. We could wind up very quickly in third world conditions. Those are the stakes. Have the people behind this, the geniuses like Toria Newland, considered the effects? Maybe they have. Maybe that was the point. Tulsi Gabbard is a former member of Congress from Hawaii who from the very... It's like Russian shit, man. It, this is Russian shit. We don't even... We don't even touch it in our media. So let's get a little woke because I got some stuff I want to cover at the end because it's kind of like uh, the thesis statement like I used to do. So um, instead of playing woke, I want to play Everything is Racist because I ain't heard that in a while. Everything is racist. We all out here in this world, and we all got to make it happen, and ain't nothing stopping me. So, like, I'm very hopeful and confident. After this interview, Ashif sent a picture of his penis to our producer. What did you think of her decision? I would have done it. I would have. I would like to think that I would have done it. Hard to do, to have your own baby put out there like that. Well, you know, how else are you going to get people's attention? Yeah. Because white people weren't really paying much attention to us the way that they kind of are not paying attention now, in a way. What would happen if it happened today? Well, I think people would lose their minds, much like we did 
during George Floyd. And I think it would not just be black people because people are tired of this. They're tired of people coming in and shooting them. They're tired of people coming in and shooting kids. They're tired of just the top people are tired of it. We've got, we're weary of this. And this is, you know, this happened in 1955. And people keep saying, oh, well, we don't need to rehash it. No, we do. So a couple of points of resistance. We're not 1955 anymore. Uh, the progress has been tremendous. And the media and certain components of the left architect a false perception of police violence against people of color and prejudice. And it doesn't really exist the way we say it does today. Listen, people can say everything they want. You, George Floyd happened. We all watched it. Okay. There are person upon person upon person who are innocent. We're not talking about you went after the bad guys and you got them. This is about something totally different. And you don't have to admit to what you see. You can pretend to be in the dark, and that's just the way it's going to be. You're going to be in the dark. But know that if you're alive in this country, you, you know exactly what this movie is about. Chances are you may have said something that slipped out of your mouth because it didn't occur to you it might not have been the right thing to say. People say stuff, stuff slips out all the time. But only when you say, you know what, I, I just heard myself, I shouldn't have done that. That's when, that's when you got growth. It's when you go, I don't know what you're talking about. That you remain, that, that you're, you're, an, you're just an egg. You're not hard-boiled. Dr. Kumar, can biological men become pregnant and give birth? Um, so men can have pregnancies, especially trans men. If this is like a physical space, I'm always going to prioritize my own safety because oftentimes that discomfort somebody feels is actually just a violence waiting to happen. And it's also not my job as the trans person to navigate the discomfort. I'm not the one who's uncomfortable with other women. They are. I'm just existing. And so my question is, if you're uncomfortable, why are you uncomfortable with other women? What pieces of internalized misogyny are failing you right now? What is in your way of acknowledging this person's or my humanity? Those are often not things that people can answer right off the bat, but they're really the important underlying questions to be asking ourselves. Sometimes right off the bat, though, I can sense it. I'm like, oh, okay, I've seen this before. I know how this goes. And I give them a compliment. It's really hard to dislike somebody when they're nice to you first. It also helps me humanize that person sometimes and go, you know what? There was a time when I had some unlearning to do and they're at that place in their journey. But it's tricky because often they're just uncomfortable and I'm unsafe. Catch Governor Carter on Hannity last night? <laughs> He's circling the conservative wagons around his son. Mm -hmm. And he's using the national press to paint your star witness as a pro-abortion activist with an axe to grind against his family. Good morning. I think we're good. Evidence is compelling. I have some concerns about your witness list. You plan on calling Barbara Carter? Text messages exchanged between Blake and his mother show she was the one who figured out Becca was pregnant. She hacked into her daughter's period tracking app and sent Blake here to stop her. Putting the defendant's mother on the stand is a risky move, Nolan. She's also the victim's mother. And 
The messages establish Blake's state of mind at the time of murder. They make it clear he was angry enough to kill. He refers to Becca as a slut and a murderer. Did Barbara encourage him to use force with Becca? No, no, she just wanted him to talk her out of it, but she's certainly tolerated his language. If you attack a grieving mother, you're on the risk of turning the jury against you. Hearing the words from Barbara's own mouth is an opportunity to drive home for the jury just how hypocritical this family's pro- Hello, hello, it's Miss Corcoran and Abe yet again hanging out in the library talking about the Teen Reader's Choice Award books. Next up, we are talking about this graphic novel memoir by Maya Kobabe called Genderqueer. One of the things I loved about this book is that it's a great window and mirror book, meaning people who are questioning their sexual identity and their gender identity are going to view this book as a mirror, a reflective experience of their own. And this book's also a great window for people who want to understand that perspective. Um, it's a wonderful story about someone who's finding out who they are and embracing it. And I love that there are resources and it's super educational. There's nothing I did not like about this book and it's actually the top banned and challenged book of 2021 according to the American Library Association. But you can come check out a copy here from the library. I couldn't give my usual dose of You've got mail. Lives a TikTok because they broke them again. Broke them. One of the ones that I just really, really love, so I wanted to play it separately, was the woke left, once again, let me get to my woke screen so I'm actually doing my slideshow right because I'm just all fucked up. I'm just all fucked up. Here, here's our woke. Let's get our woke up. Is standardized testing because standardized testing place people and then they can't place, they get other classes so they can get right. But no. It's because white people and white people aren't hungry or something. So they just released the like scores of the districts or like their distinguished status or whatever the crap they call it. And it is making me crazy. Like I live in a district that's like distinguished or whatever. I don't even know. Whatever. I work in a different district. And so people are like, oh my gosh, we are so proud. We are so excited for our district. Like, we are so proud. Guys, all that this is saying is that um, the kids in this district don't worry about being fed. And that they can pass the racist and super biased test. Because they're probably white and not hungry. Give me strength. It's not that simple. But they feel so good and they're rewarded, just like my daughter, who no longer talks to me, with likes and wokeness. And then you get into the trans stuff. And, and I, you know... This is a teen detransitioning. Says she's ruined her life by going on hormones. I'm literally suicidal. This came from Billboard Chris. I don't follow him. Every time I open my fucking mouth, I sound like a freak. I've ruined my life with my stupid decisions I made as a kid. The doctors ruined my life by allowing a barely functioning mentally ill child with severe OCD and undiagnosed BPD to go on hormones. 
and in here, I hate my voice. Every time I open my fucking mouth, I sound like a freak. The doctors ruined my life when I was severe, and they undiagnosed BPD, go on hormones that would completely change my body. I could manage to get my pinch of my voice up relatively decently to the point where it's always in the androgynous or low female range on a vocal pitch, but there's always something that seems off. It never sounds female, almost like very high-pitched, stereotypical gay male voice or a male trying to force a female voice and falling. I'm tempted to just stop talking altogether. In my worst moments, all I want to do is tear out my vocal cords and be done with it. I've been on T for around two years, and although it was relatively sporadic and it wasn't very consistent with either the gel or the shots at all, I've only just managed to get, and I'm not going to finish it. Um, it, it. It is what we've been talking about since the first time we covered this in 2016. 2016. It's a mental illness, and I feel for these people. I literally feel for them. Uh, they're saying, I, I suppose they have a power outage, but I don't think I do. I feel for them because they're getting preyed upon by everything. I mean, it is such a crazy thing. Look at this. This is CNBC. And we covered it. A trans dude fucking got an uh, ex-military trans guy, like one of the armies first. Espionage. And they rewrote things so many times because they're scared of getting mobbed for misspeaking, dead naming. You have CBS News. This is the modern Democrat Party is fighting for. More abortions and more mutilation of minors. More trans teens are choosing top surgery because it's good for their heads. They feel better. Then you have literally Planned Parenthood pushing teen, they're pushing blockers again, which we know you can't reverse. And it's for kids. Hi, Fish. Come here. Oh, you need a name. Let's see. Wait a second. What gender are you? A person who is transgender is someone whose internal sense of their gender, being a boy, girl, or something else, doesn't match their physical body. People who feel this way sometimes feel anxious when they begin to reach puberty and their body starts to change in ways that don't match their internal sense of their gender. These feelings are totally normal. If you feel you want more time to explore how you feel about your gender before your body starts to change, it's important to talk with a parent, counselor, therapist, or doctor about the feelings you have regarding your gender. After some discussion and counseling, you may be referred to an endocrinologist. Endocrinologists specialize in hormones, and they are the most likely to prescribe puberty blockers for someone who wants them. Puberty blockers are medications that will stop your body from changing. They are usually given as an injection or an implant. They block the production of hormones to stop or delay the physical changes of puberty. The effects of the medication are only temporary, so if a person stops using puberty blockers, the physical changes of puberty will begin again. Whether you identify as male, female, genderqueer, or something else, you're perfectly normal. And there are lots of ways to manage puberty so that it can be a fun, exciting time rather than a scary or stressful one. Okay, maybe you need more time to get to know yourself first. I'll just call you Bubbles for now. Until next time, don't forget to visit me at amaze.org or go to my YouTube channel to watch more. Bye!
It is such a fucking cult. You have Vox. Stop worrying what will happen if we give them transitioning puberty blockers. Think of what they don't. And the proof is both ways they have mental illness problems. Then you have this breakthrough. American Medical Association asking Big Tech and Department of Justice to censor, deplatform, investigate, and prosecute journalists who question the orthodoxy of radical gender surgeries for minors, arguing that public criticism is disinformation. And I can try to save this and read it. Let me see if I can open, open this fucking thing up. Uh, on behalf of the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Medical, blah, 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 270,000 physicians and more, 220 children hospitals across the country, the right to urge you to investigate the organization and individual entities coordinated to provoking and carrying out bomb threats and threats of personal violence from Boston, blah, 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 blah. These coordinated attacks threaten federally protected rights to health care for patients and their families. The attacks are rooted in an intentional campaign of disinformation where a few high-profile users on social media share false and misleading information targeting individuals, physicians, and hospitals, resulting in rapid acceleration of threats, harassment, and disruptions of care across multiple jurisdictions. Jurisdictions. Organizations are calling technology companies to do more to prevent these practices and basically shut them all down. And this is because they found out Nashville was doing it. In the heart of fucking Nashville, and of course people are like, fuck that, stop wanting to go. I don't even want to go. That's how I'm referred now. My next appointment is with the long COVID. And I have to go to Vanderbilt again. And I don't want to go to Vanderbilt. I don't even want to be in the fucking building. Because I am against it wholeheartedly. It is wrong. It is abuse of children. It is fucking bullshit. And we're doing it because of politics. We're not doing it for the best of the kid. We're not doing it for any other reason but fucking politics. Because they can make a bunch of woke monsters and force people to the trough of wokeness. And it's sick. Berkeley develops Jewish free zones. High school volleyball team barred from their own locker room after a complaint about transgender student. Twitter hits TikTok with another seven-day suspension for hateful conduct. And you know it was because of the American Medical Association. I mean, really think about that. The people that are supposed to be front and center for our health care are part of the woke monsters. America's incredibly shrinking military recruiting pool is getting smaller and smaller, and these are the regions why. But all weekend, all you saw was a fucking movie that nobody went to. And because of the way our world is formatted, everybody's a homophobe because they want don't want to go see this shit show with gay orgies. Hey guys, it's Bobby Lieber coming to you from the future home of the LGBTQ Plus Museum. Everyone is really excited and totally getting along. This happens to be Bisexual Awareness Week and no one has acknowledged it! Lesbian History Month was in March! Nobody said a goddamn thing! Of course, lesbians get a month and we get a week. 
So what's happening? Didn't you guys have an announcement? This is a little unexpected, but we are in a throuple situation. Yeah. You're in a throuple? Let me tell you what's progressive now. Being alone. I love my life. I love my freedom. I love my independence. That's kind of sad. That I don't want to be in a throuple? I don't even want to be in a couple. Freedom. Bobby, I had sex with that 65-year-old. Jesus, he's ripped. I know. It's like they injected steroids into Dumbledore. Oh, my God. That's Aaron. He's very hot. Gay guys are so stupid. I know. But we've been smart enough to brand ourselves as being smart. It's our little secret. You met a guy? I don't think I'm his type. He's like gay Tom Brady. What are you into? One of these ripped idiots with no opinions? No, I'd like someone who's physically very frail and won't stop talking. And I bet he's as intimidated by you as you are by him. I'm down for whatever. Yeah, I can do whenever and I can do whatever. Cool, whatever, whenever. GIF of Michael Scott dancing. Office GIF? This person isn't gay. I I need you to be honest with me. You like these rowy meathead idiots. Oh, look, they're fighting. You like that? Hey. I can be tough oh, like your you boys. Like oh, that's what, what you like, huh? Oh, oh, hey, what's going on? Oh, that's cool. Bye-bye. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. Now I have to go to a Pride party, and you're both too old to be in the pool. Please leave. People are threatening to boycott the museum. You can't say Lincoln was gay. If we don't do this, we're letting the heterosexual terrorists win. There are trans terrorists too. Caitlyn Jenner. You are so different from me. You're very intense. I like to keep things chill. I can be chill. Just like a manly man. Sup? Sup? I got you. Yeah. You don't need some help here, bro. Oh, okay, oh, I'm gonna need oh, some help here, bro. Oh, oh. What is going on with you? My whole life, I prided myself on being self-reliant, but this guy has gone into my head. Maybe you're both bottoms and that's the problem. Bottom day! Bottom day! Yeah. Gay sex was more fun when straight people were uncomfortable with it. Oh my god, do you guys remember straight people? Yeah, they had a nice run. It's like this bullshit, because I don't want to fuck a woman with a dick. I'm a homophobe, and we need to change and fight bigotry. NPR, Billy Eicher says, straight people just don't show up for bros at the box office. Well, maybe, maybe it's because Billy Eichner is a dick face. Everybody, oh, we got a great show tonight. Nikki Haley is here with us. You know, she has a new book. Uh, the title is If You Want Something Done, Ask a Woman. Ain't that the truth? Especially when it comes to vacuuming my office. Am I right? A sexist would say. That's terrible. Very bad. But in all fairness, a woman did write that joke. Which is proof if you want something done, you got to ask a woman. <laughs> and she wrote it probably while watching one of her stupid soap operas. <laughs> wow, get another sexist would say. I'll stop, Nikki. But that, uh, that just pumped it up Amazon a few. <laughs> All right, so have you seen any good movies lately? And I don't mean the one that went viral of Kill Mead in that alpaca. 
But if you said no, well, that's your fault. You're probably racist, sexist, or even a homophobe. That's how actor Billy Eichner angrily explains his pathetic box office debut of his gay comedy, Bros. True, I get more viewers when I leave the bathroom door open. <laughs> Although it made gay cinema history, replacing Brokeback Mountain with Broke at the Box Office, <laughs> it was so sparsely attended, no one got monkeypox. A homophobe would say. Terrible joke. Apparently, it made four million bucks over the weekend. That's what Larry Kudlow left the waitress at the Cheesecake Factory two nights ago. <laughs> By comparison, here are other movies that made more than four million. Me and My Toe Fungus. <laughs> the Life and Times of Michael Moore's Lower Intestine, Volume 5. It's on Netflix. You should check it out. And finally, The Good, The Bad, and Joy Behar. I think we, I think we have a clip of uh, our favorite scene. I'm never going to stop. Eichner's excuse for the movie's poor performance is that straight people didn't want to see his gay movie. And in the real world, that means no people wanted to see his gay movie. And why? Because he craps on so many people every day, he really should be making only German porn. And if you get that joke, you're disgusting. True, if you don't embrace his narrow political view, you are evil, which makes up about three-quarters of the planet's population. This is the guy who's mad you didn't see his movie. If there are any Republican women out there, so many of your husbands are pretending to be straight right now. But my focus is not on Trump voters. There's no way in the next 48 hours I'm going to miraculously get someone who's racist to, you know, be not racist. I am sick of Donald Trump. I am sick of everyone that associates with him. Hmm. I don't see the appeal. <laughs> but frankly, he really is about as offensive as a kitten playing with a ball of yarn. There's no risk there. But there are some lessons here, Billy. One, if you promote a film as identity-specific, you're going to exclude as much as you pretend to include. You telegraph to audiences that this is for others, but maybe not you. It's true whether you do a gay flick or a documentary on switchblades. Then after you spend years demeaning instead of growing audiences, you blame everyone but yourself when no one shows up. That's the long-term effects of identity politics on your personality. Nothing is ever your fault. You are a perennial victim. It's actually the only thing that identity politics actually creates. It's not audiences, it's victims. But also, Billy got tricked by Hollywood's a phony virtue signaling to actually think that his audience would be larger than it is. So it's no wonder the theaters were emptier than a room where they're trying to surprise Kamala on her birthday. <laughs> So, so he flees to Twitter where he blames lack of ticket sales on homophobia and straight people in certain parts of the country. But that's even more BS because the real no-shows are his people because he already drove away everyone else. It isn't the Trump supporters who let Billy down. It was his supporters, which is a good thing for Billy. As people like Billy on the left always stress, diversity is so important. And your movie was rejected by a very diverse crowd. People of all stripes said, screw that noise. So talk about unity. This country came together to say they'd rather get dental work than see Eichner's movie. 
But that's the problem with art based on identity. Even people who identify with you might even resist it. If Hollywood keeps making movies that alienate the public, then that's on them. And you'd have to be a real lunatic uh, to be surprised by that. Look, I know you're upset that your movie isn't doing very well, but as your agents, I think we need to reassess your brand. This is all white people's fault. How come they didn't go see my movie? Uh, well, you are a white person. Also, black people didn't see it either, and I don't think it helped things that you called the film White People Really, Really, Really Suck. That's like 70% of the country right there. I didn't make it for them. No, but it didn't help things that right before the premiere, you tweeted, the following people should not see my movie. Whites, Christians, men, women, blue-collar workers, gun owners, Republicans, libertarians, rotarians, straight people, weightlifters, meat eaters, and dudes named Kevin. Representation matters. It certainly does, uh, and that's why we can no longer represent you. Good luck with everything. You're just saying that because you're white, Kevin. So, Hollywood lost the plot once they made identity a priority over entertainment. That got Billy the movie gig, but it didn't give the audience much more. Instead, you're left with films that have strong political, social, and cultural messages, but aren't entertaining. It sounds a lot like my definition of propaganda. So, Billy... Bad quality on that video. I apologize. But that's the kind of guy he is. That's how I know him. I don't know him because he's a gay guy. I know him because he's a fucking asshole. He's always been a fucking asshole. He'll be an asshole the rest of his life. That's what he is, an asshole. He's the kind of guy that pushes encourage men to pee sitting down. And then this stupid shit. It's why Bill Maher is saying shit like this. Yes, but I mean, highly respected. Yes. This article is called Separating Sports by Sex Doesn't Make Sense. Yes, it does. <laughs> and this is the problem with the Democrats. They are the party of no common sense. You found your blowjob. Yes, I agree yes. with you that these, all these things together are our problem. <laughs> <laughs> These insane social issues and identitarian politics are distracting. But can I can I just read some of the yes. this article? Maintaining this binary in youth sports, maintaining this binary, meaning boys and girls on different teams when they're young, reinforces the idea that boys are inherently bigger, faster, and stronger. They are. <laughs> this is an, an, a, a notion that's been challenged by scientists for years. No, it no, hasn't. It hasn't. <laughs> and these are like, these are the follow the science people. Yeah. You know, that's a, follow the science. I was watching a show the other day, and one of the pundits later said, well, he's not really with the party now. No, no, he's not. But he's still super liberal. But you guys are fucking crazy liberal. So I'm going to go into some lighter fare. We're going to have a black rifle coffee. Shit hunters don't say. And a really great woke video featuring Michael Knowles from Daily uh, Wire to make us laugh before we go into our This is America.
So how does this work? You just rotate this over to zero, and then it's zeroed. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. Hog hunting with a thermal and night vision seems a little uh, unfair. Hunting season's more like a suggestion. I, I found it's easier to hunt them out of season. Okay, Heather, make sure you aim for the belly button. It's where they store their pee. First bow? Yeah. Just pull it back and let it go a few times, see if it fits you. Oh, okay. Yo, 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 yo. I just shot a bright orange deer over there. So what would you say is your favorite part of hunting? Putting the sleeping bags together. Hold on, hold on, listen to me. They have a tofu. Why don't they have a tofu elky? You know what they say, pigeons are the ribeye of the sky. Why are the good animals on the other side of these high fences? No, get them in the truck, then we'll field dress them. That'll bring them in. Oh, 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 that's a 10 point longhorn. I wish these damn animals would stop shedding all over my property. So if you wear a bunch of different types of camo at the same time, you blend in better. Walk a little louder so we can sound like the whole herd. All right, now do me. Dear love for Breeze. Bear sushi is the best. Of course it's durable. It's really expensive. I don't practice too much just so I can keep my strings fresh. Looks like he's about a year and a half old. He don't need another year. No, shooting. Ugh, all we got left over is elk tenderloin. Logan, this is a giant white tail. It's close. Aim for the legs. If you roll around in hog urine, it attracts the deer. Now when I blast that deer with this spotlight, I shoot him from the truck. Yeah. I'm a strict shoot and release hunter. I mean, I put in for tags every year, but I don't really care if I draw them. She brought toilet paper, dude. Does this camo make me look fat? I wish Meat Eater would work in a few more vegan options. I've actually never been hung over in a deer blind. Ugh, me either. Who would drink before a hunting trip, right? You don't want them seeing your teeth. I don't know, man. Like, it doesn't really bother me when people poach my land. This right here is Leroy. Yes, sir, Leroy here was a 150-inch Boone and Crockett coat before he copped a COVID-19. Poor bastard. Yep, we knew he had the coronavirus when he started foaming at the mouth and he wouldn't drink water no more. Had to put him down, like a scene out of Old Yeller. This cartoon is not for children. Hey, you're my boyfriend that I'm gay together with. Absolutely, we're gay. I love being gay. Me too. Being gay is just... Being gay is my favorite. I wish everyone was as gay as us. You should be gay. Hey, you watching, hello. You should be gay. Oreos, you're gay. What was that? Oh man, I really want some Oreos. Mom, Dad, I'm trans. No son of mine! <laughs> we don't let trans people stay at our motel. A trans person? I'm not gonna swerve! We don't treat trans people. It's better than delivery. It's DiGiorno. I, I don't understand, Michael. You wouldn't, would you? Stop being gay and go to church! Ooh. Mm.
Hasta la vista. <gasps> the snack that smiles back. Goldfish. Are you serious? I never knew how hard it was to be gay. I never thought I would say this, but I officially no longer enjoy commercials. Oh, come on. There's only one more before the show comes back on. Fine. We've tolerated their hate for long enough. <laughs> there is no political solution. <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese, where a kid can be a kid. Wow. It really makes you think. And now back to our regularly scheduled programming. Finally. Mom. Dad. I'm gay. <laughs> now that's good writing. Michael Knowles here. You can become a member at freedomtunes.com. It's just $5 a month, and you can see the recording of this episode, and you'll get an extra cartoon each week. Before we do our This Is America sound bites, I want to cover this, because some will say, who gives a fuck? It's just Rachel Vidman, Vidman's wife, but this is the kind of shit she said. I will harass Governor DeSantis again and again. He deserves it. He eroded trust in all levels of the government and removed experience and competent people. He spent his entire time in office auditioning for the White House, and soon that will become tragically apparent to all. Quit while you're behind. I'm sure it'll be chagrined to hear this. Rachel, I think I speak for all Floridians when I say that nobody here, with the possible exception of Nikki Fried, cares what you think about the state. Removed experienced and competent people. Gosh damn golly, this sounds like a sad tweet about Trump and your husband. I agree that tweeting is cheaper than the therapy, but it's ineffective, Rach. I, I posh, no, no, I say, reclaim your power. Get a real therapist. You're worth it. The next day, let me forward the slides as I'm really bad at slides. We should use they, them pronouns for Hurricane Ian to annoy DeSantis. I deleted my tweet yesterday because it was offensive to the trans community. I want to be an ally, but I make mistakes a lot of times. Thank you for those who left rebuking comments. During a hurricane. That's what we're covering. And why do I cover this? Well, I cover this because he was proffered as a straight-up military officer who overheard a fucking phone call that led to an impeachment. And it's clearly obvious him and his wife, since he's left the military and Trump's left office, were just partisan fucking hacks. And he was lying. Like everything else i mean we start this we're not going to cover the blacks latinos are sick of the lib shit we're not going to cover crime we're not going to cover this lady i finally got it who's now died because of their defund policies we're not going to cover that shit because the reality is we have an agenda to push and it's no more evident than the head of the UN talking about climate change and once again opposing views don't come and the ability for a press secretary to say what she said after the president was looking for a ghost. This is America. 
It's time for the worst soundbite! When the liberal media is pushing one of them agenda story and says, This is America. 2021! You know, we partnered with Google, for example. If you Google climate change, you will, at the top of your search, you will get all kinds of UN resources. We started this partnership when we were shocked to see that when we Googled climate change, we were getting incredibly distorted uh, information right at the top. So we, we're becoming much more proactive. Um, you know, we own the science and we think that the world you know, should know it, and, and the platforms themselves also do. Um, but again, it's it's it is um, it's it's a huge, huge challenge that I think all sectors of society need to be very active in. Usual scenario there. Green, I have John Lennon. Top of mind, just about every day, but I'm not looking around for him anyway. When you sign a bill for John Lennon, Lennon as president, then we can have this conversation. Well, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. The simple fact that they think that they can talk like that and they can say that it doesn't exist anymore. We don't have any other opposing views. It's just what we think. When you've changed it from global cooling, warming, climate change for politics and you admit it, we're all supposed to be underwater. We were supposed to have Cat 5 fucking hurricanes every day during the season. We're all supposed to be dead. Yet nothing you say is true. And then a president who fucking is shaking hands with ghosts and calling for ghosts and can't remember what day it is, and his wife has to tell him how to walk, it was on top of my head. She is so bad at being the press secretary. It's scary. It's just scary. Because we have every entity trying to keep these people in power. It is absurd. Because they're not worthy of the power. All they do is fringe shit. It's scary. It truly is. Because we're in perilous times. If we're sabotaging pipelines and f basically fighting a proxy war where we send another $650 million to fucking Ukraine, we are putting more money in Ukraine than we are to vets, people who are sick, hurricane relief. To Ukraine for some reason because they want to do regime change or something this whole thing is scary and it can't go on like this who is in charge of the country is it lady Biden dr. Biden who's in charge we spent four years saying that Trump was a piece of shit. We spent eight years saying the vice president was in charge. But right now we have a vice president and a president who fucking don't know. that they, They're fucking the anchor man. You got to put it on the notes. And even then they fuck it up. I mean, do you see those people watch that man just walk off like grandpa's lost. He's looking for the ice cream man. He don't know where the fuck he's going. Economy's going to shit. We've never been more divided, and the partisanship of our media has never been worse than this. We used to just be kind of biased. Now we're full-fledged in the fucking tank. That's 
fucking scary. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please go to foppodcast.com to see the video or the audio. And from there, you can link to all the shows we've ever done. Sorry, I was a couple days late. Had life. Had a lot of shit had to get done. Uh, on the health front, as stated, I've been referred to a long COVID. Kind of doing a little better last couple days. Uh, it's still touch and go, and it's all stomach. They don't know. I got an MRI on the 11th, and then hopefully I'll get fudged in, because if not, I see the COVID clinic on January 5th. Yeah, that's some good shit. So let's look at our next show. Today is hump day, hump day, hump day. So let's go for 8 or 9 October. Most likely 9, because that's my friggin' birthday, and... I think she'll let me podcast on my birthday, so we'll do it there. And once again, I've kept it in that bracket. I'm a little over. I'm trying to keep it at 130. And uh, for those that are out there, like Matt, who's listened to every show, I could have played seven hours of hurricane shit. See, I was responsible. I cut that shit down. We don't need to hear it all. I know. Sometimes I just like putting it on there, and and I'm realizing it makes the show two and a half hours, and I'm only talking for 20 minutes of it. So trying to cut that shit down. So I thank everybody for listening. Make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yeahs and tune back in Saturday or Sunday for our next show. Until then, thanks for listening and y'all take care.